Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. How many of you know God, listen, how many of you are believing God for a revival? We, we, we have to, so we've experienced that several times here at Celebration, but what we feel like in this new time, you know, it's, it's not just about revival, it's about restoration. And so if, if you experience revival, um, you know, all you have is an outpouring and that's good, you know, like God lifts the, lifts the church and, and uh, people get back on track with God, get on fire with God, but it can very quickly go right back down. So what I believe the Lord is doing in this time is he's preparing the church, he's preparing his people to be ready so that when he comes with these outpourings, that revival leads to restoration and it can be sustained. And so instead of like this and this, it's kind of like this and this and this, because we're preparing ourselves as the people of God to image him and see wholeness come to our lives, our families, our communities, and uh, be his representatives. And that brings me to the title of my message today. Um, the title of this message is Proof of Citizenship. Proof of Citizenship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Lord, over these next few moments, help us to lean into your word. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to understand. Lord, help us understand the times that we are in. Not just the season, but the times. Lord, we thank you that you love us and you are always for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. How many of you have ever been somewhere, especially if you travel globally, <clears throat> if you travel globally, um, or even just in different parts of the United States, you know, or you've been somewhere and you see someone or a group of people and they're doing something or acting a certain way and you kind of think like, they're not from around here. You know what I'm saying? Um, or maybe you've been somewhere in a different country or in a different place and someone kind of comes up and helps you because in your innocence or ignorance, you were doing things or saying things and was like, they're helping you out. Look, that's, that's kind of, that might mean this where you come from, but here that means something totally different. It's like this, sometimes we can be in places and it's very obvious we're not from around there. Uh, many of you know I used to um, do a whole lot of work in the Amazon jungle and um, I did it all. I battled giant anaconda, an, anacondas, swam with the piranhas, battled leopards. Um, what else did I do? Any gorilla? No, gorillas aren't there. They're in Africa. But anyway, bat, bats, bats, bats attacked me one night. I was sleeping out on the porch. I did kind of, the anaconda story is not true, but the rest of them are 80% true. So I did almost die a few times. That's for sure. But, uh, I can remember one time I was down in the Amazon. We were deep, deep, deep in the Amazon in this village. And um, uh, 
I was hungry and we'd been eating like turtle eggs for four or five days. Listen, I don't care what you're doing for a fast. It ain't as bad as eating Amazon turtle eggs for five days in a row. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. And so we finally got to this place and I I had this little uh, fishing pole. I was like, okay, great. We're gonna have to, I'm gonna catch a fish. Now these big old spotted catfish in the Amazon. And so I um, I pulled out my kind of put together pole and I had these artificial lures and I pulled out like a, I don't know, plastic worm or something. And uh, so I'm throwing it out there. I'm getting nothing, I'm getting nothing. And I hear all the villagers and they start laughing. They're all kind of up at the, top. I'm kind of down at the riverbank and I'm thinking, man, is something going to come out of the water and eat me? Or are they just laughing at me for another reason? They're laughing at me, laughing at me. And finally, a young man comes down, real respectful. And he says, uh, a pastor, he says, uh, um, uh, los, peca- los, los pescados en la selva amazona uh, no le gusta los, plástico, los plásticos. In other words, he's saying, um, Pastor, the fish here in the Amazon, they don't eat plastic. <laughs> they like meat. So he brings me, you know, whatever, a pig's, some, something from the, a pig, I'm sure. Put it on the hook, throw it out there, bam! Man, catch this huge catfish. Man, we got this huge catfish. And uh, we, we get it to shore, and so I'm thinking, oh man, great, I'm gonna get to... We're going to have this big meal and we get to feed a lot of people here in uh, the village. And so I go to cleaning it and they'll start laughing at me again. And I'm thinking, man, what's going on? I'm cleaning this, this fish. And he comes down to me again and he says this in Spanish. He says, uh, he says, pastor, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm cleaning the fish, you know, so we can eat it tonight. He says, well, uh, here in the Amazon, we eat the whole fish. We don't waste all this meat. Why are you throwing this meat away? Because <laughs> I was filleting it. You know, like we do in the West, right? No bones, no head, no tail, no nothing, no bones, no anything. You know, pan sear, souffle, you know, spices, everything. I'll tell you the real's hell kitchen, the Amazon, all right? So anyway. So they were all dying laughing because I was gonna like waste half the fish by throwing the bones and the head and, the, and, and all that away. And so I quickly learned that when I was in these places, I needed to be just careful how I behaved, think what I said, what I did, because I was not from around there I wanted to make sure and keep a good testimony for when I would preach the gospel. That's why I would eat the turtle eggs because in many villages, that was the only thing they had. It was their highest level gift. So I would never go in and, and, and refuse those. That would be very, very rude. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that there were all these situations where people could tell I was not from around there. And so I wanted to make sure that I demonstrated and represented God well to that culture because God loves everybody and he wants people to come into his kingdom, amen? 
In other words, I wanted to make sure that they saw I was a citizen of heaven before they saw I was a citizen of America. Could I just say it that way? I wanted them to see, I'm not here to make you American. I might be American and you can all tell I'm not from here. Look at me. There's an eight pound mosquito sucking the last bit of my blood out of here. But I wanted to make sure that, hey, I'm not coming to Americanize you. I'm not coming to Westernize you. I might know, you can tell that I'm not from around here, but I wanted them to make sure that they saw that I was representing Jesus first, not the West, okay? And this is, in the same way, this is what's going, in, going on in Daniel chapter one. We're gonna, I'm gonna read a few passages of scripture out of here, and then we're gonna kind of summarize a, a few passages of scripture. And we're gonna look at when Daniel and really, you know, all of Jerusalem, some of them, a few were left back, but most of them, now they've been conquered by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, they've been exiled into Babylon. He's taken them captive into Babylon. We're gonna pick up the story here in Daniel chapter one, verse one. It says, in the third year of the reign of <clears throat> Jehoiakim, by the way, every word that I pronounce, every name that I say in this message, I say it and pronounce it correctly. If you hear it, pronounce another way that is incorrect. Unless Dr. Heiser pronounces it a different way and then, I'm just kidding. Look, it says, uh, King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, many of you, you know, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you're familiar with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, all the stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, the fiery furnace, y'all know that story, right? That's when Nebuchadnezzar, he built this giant chocolate bunny. It was like the biggest chocolate bunny that was ever in Babylon and he wanted everyone to bow. That was a joke. Don't your parents remember Veggie Tales? How many of you Veggie Tales messed up your theology a little bit? Just a little bit. It's actually a gold statue, gold image. So it says, uh, and the Lord gave the king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And look at this. He brought them to the land of Shinar. So this is in the Babylonia. It's like a plain on uh, Babylon. This is ancient Mesopotamia here. To the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar's. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, use without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. I just want to stop right here. The Lord wants you competent to stand for him in any situation that you're in. Not be obnoxious, not be overbearing, yeah? But he wants you to be competent to stand and represent him and in humility speak the truth with love in any situation that you're facing. So it goes on to say that, you know, he wanted them competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food at the king's gate 
and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Now, let me show you what they're doing. So Nebuchadnezzar's like, Good, look, get these sharp young men, these sharp Hebrew kids. We're gonna put them in these Babylonian schools. We're gonna teach them about our gods, our literature, our culture, teach them all of our ways. And not only that, we're gonna take away their Hebrew names and we're gonna rename them with Babylonian names. And all these Babylonian names are connected to Babylonian gods. In other words, here's what Nebuchadnezzar is saying. We're gonna get these Hebrews guys. We've, we've captured the Jews now, we've captured them. We're gonna get these Hebrew guys and we are gonna indoctrinate them and re-educate them. We're gonna show them what our superior culture is all about. We're gonna show them our God's values. We're gonna show them our ways. We're gonna get them so trained. We're even gonna rename them with, with our types of names so that they will forget their ways. So that they will adopt the ways of Babylon and the ways of the world. So that they will forget Yahweh, and then they can help us basically convert all these other Hebrews into our Babylonian ways. Now remember, every time you see Babel, Babylon, it's, it's Genesis to Revelation in Scripture. There's always a, a, a literal, but every time that you see Babel or Babylon, it is a metaphor for chaos. It is a metaphor for the world. It is a metaphor for the anti-Eden. It's the anti-city of God that we are looking for. It's the anti-Eden. It's, 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 it's mankind making a name for himself. It is, it is it's, uh, Babylon would be brokenness. You know, Eden or the new heavens and the new earth, Yahweh's home, that would be shalom. Are you following me? Shalom and, and Eden, that's, that's wholeness, that's peace, that's blessing, that's all those things. It's rest. Babylon is, is work and force and there's no rest and there's no peace. It's drive, drive, drive. Think of when the children of Israel were in Egypt. It's, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're making a lot of bricks. Okay, well now make them without the straw. It's no rest, it's no Sabbath. It's, it's, it's you gotta produce, 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 produce. So there's always this conflict and you see it coming full ahead in the book of Revelations at the end, right? Of these two kingdoms, one representing Yahweh and Eden or the new heavens and the new earth, his kingdom that will finally be here in its fullness, that restored. The other kingdom representing Babylon, chaos, the anti-Eden, rebellion against God, the kingdom of wickedness under Satan and the fallen powers and principalities. And so that was Nebuchadnezzar's plan, how to Babylonize the Hebrews as quickly as possible, even by changing their names. Now, here's an interesting nugget of truth. I was looking at Daniel's, uh, uh, Daniel, and of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were changed to that, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Listen to this. Daniel's name in the Hebrew means God is my judge. It's so important when we're in the world, but not of the world, no matter what, we face, what we're faced with, we remember that ultimately God is our judge. God keeps, God will reckon the score. 
We, can, we will fight for justice all we can, but justice will not co- totally come until Jesus returns and rules this world in righteousness. And many times you might take a stand for God and you get fired. You might take a stand for God and lose money on that deal because you didn't cheat or whatever like that. You might have to humble yourself in a situation and in the world's eyes, it looks like you're making yourself uh, weaker. No, no, you're not being weak, you're being meek. And don't confuse meekness with weakness because the meek shall inherit the earth. In all these things, remember that, that God is our judge. You humble yourself, he'll exalt you. You lost money in that deal because you didn't, you didn't cheat. Guess what? God will bring way more money than that deal could have ever got you. So Daniel's God is my judge. And then look at the other uh, three names. They mean uh, Yahweh is gracious. Um, who belongs to Yahweh? And Yahweh helps me. Come on. Yahweh gives us grace, right? He gives us grace in this world. Come on, Yahweh is our strength. He helps us. He helps us in what? Who belongs to Yahweh? Don't we all belong to Yahweh as the people of God? So it's this components of family. It's the components of grace. It's the components of understanding we're accountable to God. It's these components to understand God is our strength. He's gonna help us. And as we are faithful to him, as we demonstrate loyalty to him, listen, God is always gonna come through for you. He's gonna come through for us. Regardless of what goes on around us, regardless what the, 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 I'm telling you the political climate this year, church, listen to me. We're a very diverse church of every color, race and creed almost. Listen to me. I hope that we listen to the voice of God more than we listen to Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. You wanna know why? Because those voices are coming out of Babylon. They are coming out of the world. Regardless of where your political views are, they are coming with a voice to divide. Let it not, listen, we are, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We don't, our culture we get from Jesus and the kingdom of God, we demonstrate family no matter what's going on around us. And the day that the people of God can begin to come into agreement that we are first citizens, we will, just like Daniel and them did, they were respectful, they, they did what they were supposed to do until they were asked to do something that would compromise their faithfulness to God. So the people of God, when the day comes that we are loyal to Yahweh and we will no longer compromise ourselves in the political arena, the business arena, the governmental arena, the media arena, when that day comes, can I tell you, God is gonna have a city on a hill. God is gonna have a light in darkness. God's gonna have a distinct people. Oh man, so look at this, let me pick this up. Are y'all with me? Look, so now, let's go to verse nine, let's go to verse nine. It says, and Daniel, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. 
And the chief eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in the worse condition than any of the youths who are your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of our youths who eat the king's food be observed to you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Now let me give you a, bit, a little bit of back context to this. The reason that Daniel is saying this is because the king had assigned Daniel and his friends table from the king, food from the king's portion. That was good meat and good wine. But here's what Daniel knew. Where they were, he knew that that meat, nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, belonged to an animal that had been sacrificed to Satan, a lesser God, a demon, however you wanna qualify them, had been sacrificed to these other gods. And here's what, here's what you have to learn about Daniel, and here's what we have to, how this speaks to us as a people. What you're gonna see all throughout the book of Daniel Daniel is never thinking just about him. He's thinking about us. He's thinking about the people of God. So here's the things that he's thinking. Maybe, maybe he could think about all the things. Well, how am I gonna eat? Well, I'm, I'm in Babel. This is just what they're giving me. But then he's also thinking, my brothers and sisters are enslaved. What are they gonna think if word gets out and they're like eating crumbs and I'm up here eating all this fine food that was sacrificed to, to, to demons? How, how am I gonna represent the heart of God to my own people? Yeah, but at the same time deal with this Babylonian culture. Now I got this, this eunuch guy. Come on, how many of you know you could it's, it's, it's good if God promotes you to be a chief, but you don't want to be the chief of the eunuchs, do you, men? And we'll, we'll let that one just go on by. All right, so. And he's like, now this guy's, his life's going to be threatened because Daniel knows Nebuchadnezzar is crazy. He's just going to kill people, just kill people left and right. So how does he do it? So he's sensitive. The Holy Spirit says, well, how about this? Okay. This is not right to eat this food for a lot of reasons because watch, we're Hebrews. We're the people of God. We're different. We're distinct. I respect you. I respect uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. You never see Daniel inciting some kind of rebellion or flying off at the mouth about how evil Nebuchadnezzar is or anything like that. But he says, look, let us, if, if that's the concern, let us just eat vegetables for 10 days and then come back. And if it looks like that, you know, we're scrawny and all that, well, then I'll go with whatever you say. But watch this. But let's give God a chance to move. Yeah? What happens after 10 days? He comes back. They're just as healthy as the other guys. So what's happened? Daniel has made a stand, watch. He's made a stand now in this foreign land. He's in this land, he's not of this land. He's in Babylon, but he's a citizen of Israel. 
He belongs to God first. He makes this stand if, like with something that might be, we would consider like the rest of these things, you know, the dreams being bold to Nebuchadnezzar about what your dream means and Nebuchadnezzar's son about God's gonna take the kingdom from you. And of course the lion's den and, and uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach. There's all these big fiery furnace, these big, oh my goodness, how, did, how, how does he have the courage? How do they have the courage to take a stand in all these things? Here's what we're gonna see and what, what I wanna unpack over the next few moments. A lot of times in the book of Daniel, we focus in on like, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow, the courage. Could I do that? What if, what if my life was actually on the line? Could I be loyal to Jesus like that if they were about to throw me in the fire? What courage? We, like they summon something up. Or we look at Daniel when he goes in straight to, to Nebuchadnezzar and he tells Nebuchadnezzar how eventually his kingdom will be taken from him and then, then how he's gonna uh, become like the, the beast of the field and then his son, how God's gonna take the kingdom away there because he, he, he dishonored the holy vessels out of God's temple and then they tricked Daniel. They couldn't find anything to accuse him of so they tricked him, you know, this is all the way in Daniel chapter six and they throw him in the lion's den and we think like, man, what was Daniel doing? What if they're about to throw me in the lion's den? Like, could I stand for God? You know, if they're telling me to renounce Jesus. We just have all these, we look at these big events of standing for God and we think, wow, could I, could I do that? That's not what the book of Daniel's about. You know, Daniel went into Babylon when he was about 14 or 15. He lived into his 90s. Did you know when he went into the lions then, he was in his 80s? Come on, where are my seniors at? God's not through with you. I thought Daniel was like 35 and bowed up when he went into the lion's den. He was 85. Watch. What, what, and so they're re-educating them, giving them the, the names of Babylon gods, doing all these things to them, threatening them all these things. What, what was it about Daniel and his friends that enabled them to be in this land, but not of this land? What enabled them to demonstrate that their citizenship first was a citizenship of heaven? What enabled them to honor and image God in such a powerful way that ended, it ended up changing the course of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's reign itself. And I'm sure a great witness and many people were converted. What, what was that? Watch. It wasn't when they, they said, no, we're not gonna bow down. You know, the Lord's gonna, he's gonna deliver us. And even if he doesn't, you know, we're not gonna bow down to you. It wasn't when he had the boldness to finally tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant. It wasn't when, you know, he summoned up the courage to go in the lions. It wasn't any of that. You know when it was? I'll tell you when it started. It started when he was a young boy in Judah and he engaged the scriptures and he gathered around with family and friends and they would have the Shabbat meal. And in that meal, it would say, listen, we always need to partake of this lest we forget, lest we forget who our God is, lest we forget who we belong to. 
And he was trained in the scriptures and in the ways of God and in the culture of God. And all of those things in the scriptures where God's constantly saying, listen, do this or you're gonna forget. Don't forget the Lord your God. Remember this, remember this. Jesus, when we protect communion, do this in remembrance of me. All these acts of remembrance, why? Because God knew that the day would come when they would be scattered and they would be in these foreign lands. They would be in places where they were not from. And it is in those places, watch, where God begins to move the most. And if they cannot succumb to the culture of the world, but keep the culture of the kingdom, God will use his people to bring a mighty revival in different lands. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was gonna Babylonianize them. No, Daniel and his friend Hebrewized the Babylonians. Think of Joseph, he was exiled into Egypt. Daniel and his friends, they were exiles. The Jews were exiles in Babylon. Think about uh, uh, Joseph, exiled into Egypt. It looked so bad, it looked so bleak. He was living as, as an exile in, 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 in Egypt, but what'd he do? He remained loyal to God. What did God end up doing? Using Joseph and his family, you could say the people of God, to what? Bring a revival to the Egyptians and sustain them in a terrible time. Why? Because God loves the Egyptians and God loves the Babylonians. What did Jesus, God, Jesus from heaven, he was sent to what? what? He was exiled to this earth. Jesus was exiled to this earth. Why? Because God loves this earth. It's because God loves people. Because God wants to bring all of us who are on this earth and in exile. He wants to bring us back into his kingdom and his love and his eternal life. Why are we still here today? Why hadn't God wrapped this thing up? Because he's called us like his people all through times past, like our savior Jesus. He calls us as we are living as exiles in this earth, in this world. We are in this world. We are not of this world. And we are living as exiles so we can image God and show the love of God so we can bring people into the family of God. Because God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And when that day comes, it won't be the people of God that are exiled. All those that have rejected Messiah, those will be as the Bible outside the camp, outside the walls. And God loves people so much and he's not willing that any should perish. But what I wanna ask us today as a people, not just as individuals, is our citizenship, do we have the right mindset of an exile, which is this, we're in a place that's very, very temporary. We're here to be a witness, we're here to image our God, and we're here to demonstrate what his kingdom is like. You know why? Because his kingdom is the kingdom in which we were created for. Only in his kingdom 
can you find true love? Only in his kingdom can you come into the identity that God made you for. Only in his kingdom can you find shalom. Oh, you can find riches out here in the worldly kingdom, but you can't find shalom. You can find a lot of money out here in the worldly kingdom. You can't find true wealth. You can have a lot of good times out in the worldly kingdom. You can't have joy. You follow me? Everything in this world is gonna fade away and only the kingdom of God will remain in the end. Yeah? So the whole proof of citizenship, how many of you ever been overseas or somewhere and what happens when you land in a different country? You come in, what's the first thing you do? Where y'all been traveling to? Palaka only? You know what I'm talking about? Passport. Be like, I don't know, man. I was over there in Stark. They didn't ask me for a passport. <laughs> no, what they ask you, it's First of all, citizen, where are you a citizen? Are you this citizen, that citizen? Passport here, passport there. Whether they ask you for a passport to prove your citizenship, right? And everywhere we go, if you're a citizen of the United States, just because you're in another country, right? There are still, you could say, the policies and values of the United States that you have to abide by, right? There could be, you can't do business there, or you watch for this, or whatever that. You're not immune from this, like, are you following me? Why, because in the natural, if you're born in the US and you're a citizen there, you are a citizen of this country, and you represent this country in some way, shape, or form everywhere you go for the better or the worse. <laughs> so I wonder if someone was checking our spiritual passport, so to speak, would they say citizen of heaven? Would our values, our policies, what we do, things like that, would those line up with the kingdom of God or would they line up with the, the, the worldliness and the kingdoms of this world? The Bible's clear. It says, you know, don't love the world. Or It's not talking about people. It's not talking about having a good time. It's, it's talking about worldly. It's, talking, it's the system of the world where there's hierarchy and oppression and hate and putting others down and to, to expensing others for your benefit. It's, 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 it's everything, it's consumerism, it's more, it's, it's be like this, it's be popular, it's be seen, it's be heard. Do you know in the kingdom of God, the things that are the most powerful are the things that are the least visible? The least visible. In other words, and everything you do matters. In other words, single mom, when you're at home and you're with your three kids and you feel like you hadn't talked to an adult in three days and you wanna whack a few of them over the head and instead of giving a full-blown whack, you just give a half whack. <laughs> in other words, you know what? You're still thankful to God that there's a roof over your head. You're still in your best. We all fail. I'm not talking about perfection, but in where no one's looking. No one's applauding you. 
You have a job that you really don't like, but you're thankful to God because that's where he has you right now. When you're doing the thing, watch. Do you see what I'm doing up here? This is very visible. I mean, it's kingdom, so there'll be some type of reward, right? But the greatest rewards in the kingdom of Thor, it's not, look, this is visible. This is, people can applaud, you know, whatever. Put it on Instagram. That's why Instagram, oh my gosh, do not get me started. (laughs) The beast. It's a joke. You just gotta not get addicted to it. And don't get your identity from it and stop putting your fake life up there. Okay, so I'm, here's pastor, you know, preaching the word. Okay, so you know where it really matters? This matter, when I'm all by myself, how am I treating my wife and my daughters and my son? Do you see? It's the, it's the, it's the less, that, that's what, when you pray, go in your closet. When you give, don't let anyone see you. When you fast, don't make your, don't the suffering and fasting, going to Cracker Barrel. What? what? (laughs) It's, it's these, see, here's the, 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 the false or the extreme teaching of grace is, listen, we're all saved by grace. I'm not talking about being saved or anything like that. God loves you. He loves you no matter what. It's, salvation is not according to performance or anything like that. A- absolutely. But the extreme grace says, well, it's all love. It's all grace. So nothing matters. Just follow Jesus, but nothing really matters. I would say this, it's all grace, but everything matters. I, w- I would say that it's, it's, it's when you're doing the things that are least visible. It's when, boy, do you have the attention of God. Boy, do you have the attention of heaven. And if you can be faithful in the unseen, then God can bring you to a place where you are seen. Are you following me? It's the unseen. It's the least visible. It's the left. It's the less. That's where it matters. So here's what I'm getting at. I'm going to close in. I'm not closing in 15 seconds. I'm closing in five minutes, okay? But watch this. In the story of Daniel, it's not the fire, fiery furnace and the lion's den and those big things. The reason Daniel and his friends, basically, that's just what came to them. They're gonna be faithful to God no matter what is because they learned how to be faithful and remember God when they were young. And then when they got in Babylon, it wasn't a test with a fiery furnace or a lion. You know it was a test of? Vegetables. Do you see what I, it's the little. It's these, you learn faithfulness and loyalty through these little practices and renewing your mind, you start demonstrating faithfulness. Well, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what the, the type of thing is that wants you to compromise. 
You've already been conditioned. You know who you belong to. You know who you're imaging. You know who you're representing. You know, you, you know that. And so whether it's the fiery furnace or some other component of a simple obedient act to God or reaching out to your neighbor or, or witnessing or, or, or uh, being you, allowed to be used by God even with your time. That's me. My thing is, it's being used by God when I'm exhausted. Is everybody exhausted, by the way? Okay, I'm, I'm right there with you. Coming home from a plane, it's late. Here's a person, they start opening up and I'm tired. You know what my flesh says? I don't wanna talk to you. <laughs> That's my flesh. It's not what my spirit's saying. Can I only be faithful to God when I have all the energy that I need? Can I be faithful when I'm tired? Can I be faithful when I don't feel like it? Are you, those are the things that he sees. And those are the things that prepare. So I wanna put these, I wanna show you as we kick off the year here. Put those four things up there. Just, you know, as we set these patterns, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right ways, his right patterns. And everything you need will be added unto you. Just like Daniel and his friends, they had been trained in the scriptures. They've been trained in the ways of God. That's what you're gonna see right here. You're gonna see the word of God and the ways of God. A lot of times we say, it, well, we get trained by the word and absolutely that is the foundation. But there's God's word and there's God's ways. It's a living experience and it's also the, the education or the knowledge of the scriptures. Let me show you these things. Engaging scripture and encountering God as his people. First of all, the basic scripture engagement, okay? This is the whole story on version. Go to version, search plans, the whole story. That's what our entire church is following along this year. All kind of extra resources and, and devotions. Okay, that's how you're gonna get engaged in scriptures and you're gonna bring into remembrance God's word and his ways in your everyday life, renewing your mind. Foundations, okay? John White, don't we have that like after every service or is it all online except for one? Where does foundations meet? Right back here in the foundations room. I knew that. Kind of, it means right back there in the foundations room and then you do the other classes online, right? Something, through, through the app. So watch this, we've had a couple of thousand people go through foundations, yeah? And is this, and what, of foundations, we've only been doing it for like a month and a half. I'm, I'm not a month and a half, a year and a half. We've been doing it for 18 months. But 90% of people that go through foundations we find six months later are active and serving in the church. Can you give God a praise for that? You wanna know why? Because we changed it, because we're not gonna give you a cultural quick, hey, hurry up and join the church kind of thing. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna equip you with the things that you need. Understanding your covenant with God and us as a family, so that watch, if everything would change in three months, God forbid, some catastrophic, whatever would happen here. We can feel good that if we only had someone for a month or three months, 
we gave them everything that we could where they could thrive as a follower of Jesus in any situation. Yeah? Freedom, here's where you come into wholeness. Come on, freedom is a process. This is another discipleship component. The Awakening School of Theology with Dr. Heiser, that kicks, if you go to the School of Theology and go online, you can come in person. It's just one, it's just one night a week. Y'all, this is the best, most equipping, uh, spiritually engaging, uh, biblical theology that you could, it's a, it's a gift. Dr. Heiser is a scholar of scholars. And the fact that we're able to host that here is such a blessing. Use that as your group this spring semester. I think we have over 700 students registered. We have a lot online. And uh, so I just go on the app and get involved. It starts in a, sign up, it starts in a few weeks. And what are the other things? Lastly, powerful prophetic acts of obedience, distinction, and loyalty. Water baptism. If you haven't been water baptized, you need to get water baptized today. Is the pool, is the water out there heated? No. Because if you need heated water to be loyal to Jesus, you don't know what you're, you're not ready. It's better to have a cold and eternal life. <laughs> okay? It's a powerful act. Something changes in your life. I can't explain it, but something changes. It's a, it's a declaration of loyalty and allegiance. It's spiritual authority. Prayer and fasting. We have the Jacks United uh, event this weekend, but continuing that lifestyle. Tithing and giving. This is another. Water baptism, tithing, and communion, the Lord's table. These are all these sacred acts where we're demonstrating that first we're a citizen of heaven. That's where our loyalty is, right? Before anything else. We demonstrate, look, and then do I have Sabbath there? Yeah, Sabbath and communion. These Sabbath meals, we have resources on that with your friends and family, all of these things. One of the main reasons why I love Sabbath is because God encounters my family and friends when we have that Sabbath meal. But you know what? We're gonna be doing it for all eternity. I'm gonna show you all the scriptures in the Bible from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another. So if we're gonna be doing it in the age to come, why wouldn't I start doing that now? Do you see? Well, so if, if that's where I'm truly a citizen of, and that's a staple value in that kingdom, well then why don't I just put that into practice now? I wanna make sure we, we do the, you know, communion is around the third cup, Passover. The fourth cup is the marriage supper of the lamb. I wanna demonstrate to the Lord when I show up to my table on Friday night or Saturday night, or if you work or whatever, text in a group of friends, any way you can. I wanna show the Lord that I plan on showing up at his table, the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm, it's a prophetic act that the Satan and the powers of this world are doomed and the kingdom of Jesus is coming. And one day when we show up to this table, the kingdom of God will have come and he'll rule the world in righteousness. And I do Sabbath because in the 10 commandments, it's above murder. That's another message there. <laughs> So remember, I do it as an act of remembrance. I do it as a devotion. You don't have to do any of these things.
However, if you do do them, I'm telling you, these are powerful, transformative, prophetic acts if you do them in faith. It means nothing if you don't do honor Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath, not the, you see what I'm saying? It means not when you give your tithes, giving it out of, I'm, I'm honoring Jesus as Lord of my finances. So I just encourage you, church, as we kick off this year, I want everybody engaging, getting trained, getting grounded, get grounded in the kingdom so the kingdom of the world won't ground you. And it will ground and grind and push you down. Come on, let's rise up and be the distinct people that God's called us to be. Stand up. Let me say a prayer for you and the altars are open for communion and prayer and everything else. Let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.